You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts, and we've got the NBA trade deadline coming up on Thursday, 3 p.m. Central for you here in New Orleans. We're going to be covering everything that may or may not be going on um, leading up to Thursday, obviously, Anthony Davis still wants out, but we've had some news on some other Pelicans that are maybe or maybe not on the block. We'll look at who they are, and we're going to look at the Lakers' laughable, it's extremely laughable, first offer maybe to the Pelicans. I'll give you a little bit more insight what's going on between these two teams, and of course, the Pelicans take on the Indiana Pacers at home tonight in the Smoothie King Center. We'll take a quick look at that game. And then first, we're going to start with the game on Saturday. The Pelicans falling to the San Antonio Spurs. Maybe a good thing, depending on where you are when it comes to tanking. We'll recap that game. Look at everything trade deadline related in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So over the weekend, the Pelicans took on the San Antonio Spurs Saturday on the road in San Antonio, falling 113-108. Two quarters really sunk this team. The first quarter and then the start of the third quarter are really where they were hurt and where this game was lost, if you're a Pelicans fan. San Antonio won the first frame 35-24. New Orleans could not buy a bucket to start. Same thing at the third, too. They got one field goal in the first, like, six, seven minutes or something like that before rallying late in the third and then into the fourth quarter. But by that point, it was just too little, too late. And at one point, the Spurs were up by as many as 22 points. This was Drew and the reserves in this one. Holiday going for 30 minutes or so. Uh, shot poorly again. So did the entirety of the team, by the way, on the night. Drew Holiday was 6 for 16. He did finish with 15 points, 7 rebounds, just 4 assists. Kind of a subdued night from him. You also had Solomon Hill in the starting lineup. He was 0 for 5, not helping those shooting woes for the Pelicans. Darius Miller was a woeful 4 for 12, finished with 11 points on the night. And even Jaleel Okafor, the guy who's been putting up big numbers in these past six games, well, the seventh wasn't lucky for him as he put up just six points, seven rebounds. He did have four assists, which was pretty nice to see. Did it on three of eight shooting in very limited minutes in this one. It was just out of hand. There was no need to kind of keep these guys out there whatsoever with anything. Frank Jackson, though, did play 42 minutes. Got some nice run on the court. Finished with 25 points a team high in this game with 10 of 20 from the field but just one of seven from deep so if you take out those three point shots he was nine of 13 from the field that's pretty good he had two dunks he was shooting around the rim getting there kind of at ease at times his three point shots been inconsistent but again the speed is there the athleticism of an NBA player is there and he showed he can get to the basket and score you can at least develop that inside out game that'll carry you kind of far here in the NBA. He's shown off a nice shooting touch 
as well. The seven attempts is pretty good volume in today's NBA. You can almost like that better than just one or two. If you're going to shoot from three, you may as well be able to light it up from there. And he's shown he has the ability to do so. Now, if he can just do it consistently, you have a rotation player at the very least here in Frank Jackson. He had 25 points from him on the night. Kenrick Williams kept up the scoring a little bit. He was five of seven from the field, 12 points on the night. The rebounding is still very good from him, eight boards as well. He did that in about 27 minutes. For the Spurs on the night, they were led by LaMarcus Aldridge, who had 25 and 14. You had Rudy Gay go for 17 and 8 as well. Then off the bench, the hated, at least in my opinion, Marco Bellinelli, um, put up 17 points on the night. One thing from these young Pelicans, this this unheralded group who's very hungry to play, they only had nine turnovers on the night. San Antonio doesn't force you into a ton, but you're going. To, these guys are predominantly backups for the Pels right now. They're not making mistakes. That's a nice thing to see from this team. Hopefully they can keep it up. And again, this one was close. The Pelicans put up 30 points in the fourth quarter compared to just 19 from San Antonio. Maybe San Antonio stepped off the gas just a little bit in this one which allowed the Pelicans to get back into it. But hey, at least they made it close. They fought. And you've seen almost like market improvement over this team over uh, throughout the past three games, the three games since the Anthony Davis trade request. And what's odd about that, it, you know, you think, where has this been all year? But the more I think about it and talking to a player on the team, they're kind of free the weight of the world has been taken off of their shoulders here no longer is it if you have a bad game and screw up all of a sudden maybe ad wants out because he's upset with his teammates it's already hit that point so now if you go out and you make mistakes or do whatever it doesn't matter the stakes are just so much lower that you can go out and just play basketball and have fun and i think you're seeing that from a lot of these guys also helps that a lot of them are hungry to stay in the NBA to prove they belong in the NBA or to carve out a role in the NBA. So they go out there with a lot to prove. They play with energy. They play with effort, things we've missed at times. They care. They just try hard, which will get you somewhat far, apparently, as we're seeing. Not close enough to get a handful of wins, but it can at least keep you competitive in games when you wouldn't be otherwise. And you know what? That's at least fun basketball to watch. And if you're looking at this team now who should be losing to improve their you know future lottery pick, this is kind of a nice thing. Guys who go out there and try and play hard, who are developing but aren't quite good enough to get wins. Overall, that's a good thing for the Pelicans right now. So before we get to Anthony Davis and the Lakers, the laughable first offer, the kind of news that dropped Friday as well from different sources regarding different things, and we can make a little bit more sense of it. It's pretty obvious here. Don't forget the trade deadline is Thursday. The best way to catch up on everything is going to be the Locked on NBA podcast. Monday through Friday, we're going to be covering this from all angles. We've got the biggest stories up today. I'm on there talking more about Anthony Davis. We're going to have Ben Golliver on this week of the Washington Post, Sam Amick of The Athletic, NBA player Trevor Booker is going to be joining us as well. It's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So Friday, there was a lot of, I guess, negotiating through the media here with the Pelicans and the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers are Anthony Davis's preferred destination. He, uh, the Pelicans don't really like the players that they have and maybe prefer to trade him to Boston, to New York, different places. But AD and his people are still angling hard for a move 
to Los Angeles. So with that in mind, all of a sudden some news dropped Friday afternoon of Anthony Davis's father, Anthony Davis Sr., coming out and saying, I wouldn't want my son to play for the Boston Celtics because of the Isaiah Thomas trade a year ago, year before that, I can't remember now, after he'd kind of given his all for that team and they just unceremoniously dumped him in the trade for Kyrie Irving. Little bit, you know, upset there for a guy who played through his sister's death, uh, you know, dealt with the injury, didn't end up getting a big money deal whatsoever like he thought he could have. This was a guy who could have been the MVP of the league at one point and was kind of just booted out of there. This is obviously something from AD's camp. And if the, if you think AD's being used by Clutch and is naive to all of this, he is so close with his dad, whose dad who lives in New Orleans now, he bought a home for his parents to be in New Orleans, to be close to him. He's probably one of the closest advisors to him. His dad coming out and saying this to kind of kill the Celtics leverage or try and kill the Celtics leverage and maybe make it seem like he would never resign there in a million years. So, hey, you know, maybe Boston shouldn't make an offer. He's not going to have his dad use him now too, right? Is that what you're thinking? If you think AD's being used by Clutch and actually doesn't want to trade from the uh, from the Pelicans and wants to be here and is just being used by Rich Paul to make LeBron happy? No, he's involved in all of this because he's so close with his dad that his dad wouldn't do anything to his son that his son wouldn't want. That's what this is. Just making that very clear. So AD's dad comes out and says all of this stuff, which hopefully then try and gets him to go to the Lakers. And then a little bit later, it dropped. So obviously that comes from Anthony Davis's camp. Comes from his dad, comes from Rich Paul, comes from Anthony Davis himself, all trying to figure out how they can get him to the Lakers sooner rather than later. And then it comes out on Friday night that the Lakers basically made a laughable first offer to the Pelicans. Supposedly, they've made five offers of combinations of different players or anything, but the first one that they really sent was, or one of those five, let's say, was a quote, underwhelming end quote offer. For Anthony Davis, that included Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, and a first-round pick. So five things heading to the Pelicans. There's four young guys in L.A. that you would at least want in a trade, and that would be Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. And they didn't include two of those, only one first-round pick. And if you're trying to make a centerpiece trade built around Rajon Rondo and Michael Beasley, Rondo, who was here on the Pelicans last year and didn't resign, and then Michael Beasley, who's a former second overall pick who's just bounced around the league for years and years and years and years, you're not going to get Anthony Davis. Now, this is probably just one of the multiple offers that they made them. I know for a fact they've made other better offers than this. But you're not going to trade for Anthony Davis if you're basically offering up that crap. And that's kind of been uh, an underwhelming, to say the least, offer. But I think this is the Pelicans finally taking a shot back at the Lakers, at Rich Paul, maybe LeBron James in this as well, by kind of leaking some of that. They've just kind of been weathering the storm of all of this stuff, of AD coming out and doing all these different things and saying different things to try and get to the Lakers sooner rather than later. Here, they kind of went back on the offensive through the media. Uh, you know, if this is good or bad, I know fans kind of love this because screw the Lakers right now for trying to get Anthony Davis for so long. But also, you do have to deal with this franchise in the future. Rich Paul is a powerful agent. I don't know if necessarily doing things that piss him off is good in the long term. So they end up with the number one overall pick, and then Zion Williamson signs with Rich Paul. think this is going to be anything good at all. 
No, just something to keep in mind. But certainly the Lakers maybe think they have more leverage than they actually have when the Pelicans really do not have to trade Anthony Davis, are likely not going to trade Anthony Davis for the trade deadline. And if they prefer other people's assets, you better not come in with at least an underwhelming offer that is so insultingly low that maybe they don't pick up the phone for you or counter you in the future because, hey, why not? Especially if you're not necessarily negotiating in good faith which maybe it seems like the Lakers were doing in this case. Also on Friday, Anthony Davis did speak to the assembled media here in New Orleans and said absolutely nothing of note. I'm not even really covering it in today's podcast because nothing was said in there that was remotely helpful for anything. He said he didn't intend for this trade offer to be made public, except that Woj had exact quotes from Rich Paul on the record stating the trade request. And he could have just not said anything at all. And then he got fined $50,000 by the NBA for it. So I don't know if that's really true. AD repeatedly just said, it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I think he said it six times in terms of saying he just doesn't want to be here. He felt he gave his all to the city and that he hoped fans would still love him. You can see from that press conference, it's not that he's being used or that he's naive to anything. It's just that he doesn't want to look like a bad guy in this situation. So he's hoping that Rich Paul can kind of take the brunt and the blame of all of that and his father. Look, he's a bad guy. It's as simple as that. You can't request out when you've got a year left on your deal and not be the bad guy. Unfortunately, that's how it goes, AD. Fans are going to hate you because you're not playing for him anymore and you don't want to play for him anymore. And just to go to your teammates and say, I want out, sorry, can't win with you guys. And to look at New Orleans and be like, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. It's going to be insulting. They're going to be upset. It's kind of as simple as that. So as Presser, the time he spoke to the media, just nothing important, tries to kind of claim he's not the bad guy or look innocent in all of this. That's not the case. He's completely complicit in everything. If you think otherwise, you're the naive one. I'll tell you that. So hopefully we get maybe uh, more resolution on this in the coming days. We'll see. Um, But, you know, AD just needs to own this. If you want out, just say you want out. And it's kind of as simple as that. And don't try and still be the good guy in this scenario. So in non-NBA news, the Saints re-signed Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator. The Locked on Saints podcast is going to have that covered from every angle for you. That's a big piece coming back with how well the defense was and has been improving during his tenure here. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. So what about other trade deadline news for New Orleans? And the biggest one is now Drew Holiday is the leader of this team. And is he going to be put up for trade? And is he on the block? According to Adrian Wojnarowski, that is not the case. He said, and this is a tweet, Amid the Anthony Davis talks, teams calling on New Orleans' next best player, guard Drew Holiday, tell ESPN that the Pels are indicating no interest in moving him. This should be no surprise here. He's under contract um, for three years. He's got $77 million left. He signed through 2022. There's no need to move him unless you're really blown away by an offer. And you have to figure teams aren't doing that and are coming in and lowballing the Pelicans right now. So no movement on Drew Ho- on the Drew Holiday front. Certainly a number of teams would really like to get him. Maybe a team like Utah. Hell, even the Pistons could use a guy like that. Potentially the Clippers as well. So there's a, a number of teams that would be calling the Pelicans about Drew Holiday. But they'd need to be blown away. You'd almost have to figure it'd be a player and a pick and in like a high lottery pick at that potentially to give up a guy who plays two ways, who kind of gives his all on the court 
kind of a rare type of NBA player currently. So I think that's the kind of big news on the Pelicans front. They're not completely tearing it down to the studs here and looking to move on from guys. Plus, Drew Holiday is kind of grown into this really strong leader from the team, particularly over the past two years as he's played the best basketball of his career. Don't forget, he is a former All-Star, and he's outplaying that level that he was back then. He's leading this group of young guys, showing them how to be professional players, what it takes to succeed in the NBA, and just setting a big example on the court for him. I think that's important, and that's going to be important years in the future too, even if you do trade for guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Putting them around a leader like Drew Holiday maybe gets the most out of them. Any future draft picks being around him like that too, I think would be an important, important thing for player development. So there's no need to move on from Drew Holiday just yet. But if you have to figure if the right offer did come through, they would move him, but that has not happened. Hopefully, it won't be happening anytime soon. I think fans would really like to see Drew Holiday stay a New Orleans Pelican. So, we'll see what happens on that front. Still no big word on Miritich or Randall, though I think you're looking for either a pick from him or a prospect. Not both. I don't think either are going to fetch that much for you back in a trade, but certainly they're on the block and have potential to be moved in advance of Thursday. And then finally in today's podcast, the Pelicans take on the Indiana Pacers tonight in the Smoothie King Center. The Pacers are kind of struggling a little bit recently after the news that Victor Oladipo, an all-star guard, is going to be out for the remainder of the year. They've fallen. They're now fifth in the Western Conference, but they have a record of 33-19. and 19. They're a defensive-minded team coached by Nate McMillan, former Pacers coach. This team doesn't blow you away with anything that they do other than they're just sound defensively. And that gets you a lot of wins when you're well coached. Their offense has struggled, um, particularly over their past five games in which they're one in four. So hopefully the Pelicans can maybe take advantage. It's a winnable game here, but these young guys are going to need to shoot much better than they did against San Antonio, uh, especially against this kind of stifling defensive team. They force a ton of turnovers, so you've got to be sound with the rock, something that the Pelicans have been significantly better at recently. Also led to their kind of better uh, form. So we'll see how this goes. Enjoy the game. No big trade news yet, so we'll see if anything breaks later today. And, of course, if you want to know more about the specifics of the Anthony Davis situation, I was on today's Locked On NBA talking about it. So that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 